0: So we're essentially all chumps who pay people to hate us. I don't know if the Democrats stole the 2020 presidential election. It's frankly not for me to decide. It's for the president's legal team to prove in court. And I fully support the president pursuing his case to ensure that every legal vote and only legal votes get counted. But what I'm absolutely sure of, and I don't need any investigation to prove it, is that before the first ballot was ever cast, the legacy media rigged the election for the Democrats. They did it legally. They did it right out in the open. They even told us they were doing it about half the time. And the worst part is that you and me and all the other suckers out there paid them to do it. We're still paying them to do it, which is why it's never gonna stop. They're convinced we won't do a damn thing about it, and so far, they're absolutely right. In 2004, Evan Thomas, an editor at Newsweek, said that the media bias in that election was worth 15 points to Democrats. He later corrected himself and agreed that bias was probably only good for actually more like maybe 5% in that election. That's it, just 5% in 2004. 5%, guys, is the difference between winning and losing in virtually every election in modern American history. And that's in 2004, and that's what they admitted to. Remember that back then, the media at least pretended to care about things like objectivity. I mean, when Dan Rather of CBS News published those forged documents, you remember this? Published a bunch of forged documents about President Bush's time in the National Guard, and he got fired by the network. Nowadays, they'd give the guy a Pulitzer Prize. Every single network published that utterly discredited still dossier as part of their many years long effort to smear Donald Trump as having colluded with the Russians. How many of those journalists got fired? And remember in 2004, there was hardly any social media to speak of either. In fact, it was in comment sections and chat rooms that those internet sleuths of 2004 proved Dan Rather's story was false. Today, three companies or something control the vast majority of all conversations online. All three, by the way, were proactive in killing the Hunter Biden story. All three were proactive in preparing Americans for a red mirage on election day. All three routinely fact check or suppress conservative articles and publications and personalities. If the legacy media was worth 5% to Democrats in 2004, they gotta be worth at least twice that much now. And let's remember how they used that power, by the way, in brief. Before Donald Trump was even inaugurated, the legacy media began promoting voices questioning the legitimacy of the election. They engaged in full-scale questioning of the Electoral College itself and emphasized the quote-unquote national popular vote. I say quote-unquote because there is no national popular election for president in America. There are 50 statewide elections. If there is one national election, every American would have to vote based on the exact same rules, and you wouldn't end up with, for example, Pennsylvania deciding against their own state constitution to allow votes by mail three days after an election without postmarks. The legacy media gave nearly round-the-clock coverage back then to the idea that the Russians somehow stole the election by flooding Facebook with money to promote Donald Trump. When the real numbers came out, it turned out that the Trump and Clinton campaigns alone had spent 1,800 times more money on Facebook than the Russians. And that doesn't even count all the PACs and super PACs and C3s and C4s, media organizations and nonprofits who were all spending money messaging about the election on Facebook. The Russians spent less money than it would cost to buy two ads on the Ben Shapiro show. They spent virtually nothing. Now, look, they shouldn't have spent anything, but they effectively didn't spend anything. So the media moved on to Russian collusion. They camped on that pile of crap for like three years. Every single time Adam Schiff, sitting U.S. Congressman Adam Schiff, wanted to show up and spew some wholly fabricated lies about the president, the legacy media gave him a channel. They lapped it up. When the charges amounted to nothing, the legacy media just pivoted again to the next anti-Trump political strategy. They ran with leaks about Donald Trump from Anonymous, a source so high up in the White House, they assured us it might even be Vice President Mike Pence himself. Of course, it turns out it was some consultant at some executive agency who Donald Trump couldn't pick out of a lineup, but he wasn't the only anonymous. There were anonymous sources on almost every legacy media channel nonstop for the entire term of Donald Trump. Were the stories true? Well, that's the point. We don't know, certainly not all of them, and we can't find out because they didn't name their sources. The legacy media repeated ad nauseum the lie that Donald Trump said there were, quote, fine people among the neo-Nazis at Charlottesville, and they gave airtime to endless parades of voices arguing that any support of Donald Trump was premised in white supremacy. When ordinary Americans got caught supporting Donald Trump publicly, the legacy media eviscerated them. You remember those high school students from Covington Catholic, Nick Sandman? They even doxed those poor kids. They were slandered mercilessly by so-called objective journalists. And the legacy media engaged in sophisticated political messaging operations, too. The New York Times pressured Facebook into regulating political messaging on the site. Then the New York Times pressured Facebook into exempting the New York Times from the very rules that the New York Times had pressured Facebook into creating in the first place. And then the New York Times used that exemption to promote the 1619 Project. A patently false, activist, revisionist history of the founding of the country meant to undermine Donald Trump's key campaign slogan, Make America Great Again. You can't make America great again if America wasn't great in the first place. Then when COVID struck, the legacy media went all in with fear-mongering on one hand and blaming President Trump on the other. Democrat governors and mayors shut down the economy in their jurisdictions, and the legacy media dutifully called that the Trump economy, even though the president opposed the lockdowns and had done a pretty good job with the economy during his tenure up until that time. When Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo's policies resulted in just unfathomable loss of life in his state, the legacy media parroted the Democrat talking point that all those deaths belonged on Donald Trump's head for some reason, even though Trump you know, opposed all of Andrew Cuomo's policies that led to all those deaths in the first place. In fact, the legacy media gave platform to and repeated the libel that all COVID deaths were the fault of Donald Trump. I guess they just forgot that people were dying all over the world from the virus and not just in America. God, and the gaslighting, the gaslighting. Every time Democrats gather for any reason, show funerals or riots or protests, the legacy media is there to favor voices cheering on the crowds, democracy in action. And every time Republicans gather for rallies or you know to go to church or for Jewish holidays, they're denounced as super spreaders and criminals. When Portland burned for months on end at the hands of radical left-wing Antifa, The media was silent, there are no riots, don't believe your lion eyes. Until such time as the rioting showed up as a negative for Joe Biden in polling, at which point Don Lemon actually said on the air, they don't hide it, he actually said on the air, hey, these riots are hurting Joe Biden. And the next day, the entire legacy media shifted the narrative in less than a day to blaming Republicans for the riots that up until one day previous, that same legacy media had said didn't even exist. And as the election drew near, the media decided to hype up their COVID concerns to astronomical levels. Voting in person was deemed too risky, so they called for enormous changes to the way our elections even function. In-person voting, out. Universal mail-in ballots, in. Whether you registered or not, some states were sending you a ballot. And the voting happened so early, most voters hadn't even engaged with the candidates in any meaningful way. That's why Donald Trump's first humiliating debate performance was so much worse than it needed to be because people were already voting. The campaign wasn't even over. And of course, if you're going to go all in to predetermine the outcome of an election, you're going to need a little voter suppression, too. So the legacy media used polling to demoralize President Trump's supporters from voting at all. Remember, the biggest source of cash for pollsters are legacy media companies. The legacy media props them up and promotes them, and then the polls coincidentally And conveniently happened to fit the legacy media's narrative. Funny how that works. Just like in 2016, when almost every poll the media supported ended up showing Trump performing far worse than he actually performed when the election finally happened. And not just on the national scale. Even in the states, in 2016, pollsters were off by an average of seven points in Hillary Clinton's favor in Wisconsin alone. Trump went on to win Wisconsin. And that's just one example of many. In 2020, same story. In Wisconsin, they were off by nearly the exact same amount, underestimating Trump support by six points. In Ohio, Trump support was understated by like seven points. In Texas, nearly five points. They said Democrats were gonna win Texas. The pattern's just stunning. And we're not just talking about that built-in margin of error that every poll has. Of course, polls aren't gonna be exactly right. They have a margin of error. But if it were just the margin of error we were talking about, first of all, the gap would be not nearly as wide. Seven points is not a margin of error. And if it was the margin of error, then you'd see errors swinging both ways. But that's not the case, is it? All the major polls swing in favor of Biden. Every major poll swings against Donald Trump. How does that happen? Is it that pollsters are just struggling to account for that elusive, shy Donald Trump voter? I don't know. Maybe. I'm not actually convinced that Trump voters are all that shy. What with their giant stadium-filled rallies and their giant boat parades and their giant car parades and their flags and their signs, how they managed to get 10,000 Trump supporters to march through Beverly Hills three weeks ago. But yeah, it's the shy Trump voter. No, the more plausible explanation is that pollsters are far more concerned with remaining propped up by the legacy media than they are providing accurate data to the American people. The American people are not their customers. The legacy media are their customers. And that only continues if they produce polls that are fit to print. And of course, the legacy media is aided in all of this by their allies over in social media. They demonetize, throttle, shadow ban, and ban outright conservative voices. And then they actively and openly suppress stories potentially harmful to Joe Biden. And then they use activist left-wing fact checkers to penalize conservative publications for crimes like missing context. I'll give you a great example of missing context. This is absolutely true. A pro-Trump super PAC ran an ad on Facebook. And they played Joe Biden saying out loud, verbatim, that his tax plan would raise taxes on all Americans. But Facebook killed the story because one of their activist left-wing fact checkers said it was missing this context. That while Biden's plan would in fact increase taxes for all Americans, in other words, while the statement was true, it was missing the context that the same tax plan would also raise taxes on the rich a little bit more. In other words, context just means democratic talking points. So, according to the legacy media, Donald Trump never won the 2016 election in the first place. He colludes with our enemies. He openly supports racists, and only racists support him. He can't make America great again because America was never great to begin with. In fact, it's systematically evil to this day. If you happen to support him, well, you're a fair target who should be doxed and might have your life ruined. Every threat you see with your own eyes from the radical left either isn't happening, or if it's hurting Joe Biden in the polls, then it's actually your fault. You shouldn't go vote in person, no one's gonna vote for him anyway, and any story that might hurt his opponent is misinformation that can't even be shared in a free country. That's rigging the election. It's not stealing the election. Stealing it would be illegal. Rigging it is perfectly legal. It just means setting the rules of the game, controlling the information the players have access to, demoralizing and suppressing one team, and running interference for the other team. They made it almost impossible for Donald Trump to win, And then they declared as quickly as possible that he didn't win, even though not a single election has yet been certified in this country. It's all just another part of the psychological warfare they've run against Americans for over four years now. And that brings us to the part about you and me paying for it. Now, you might say, I don't pay for any of that crap. And I guess maybe you don't, but I'll bet you do. Maybe you don't subscribe to the New York Times. But you know what? Seven million of your fellow Americans do. The New York Times has a budget of over 1.2 billion dollars, billion with a B, and they have a staff of over 4,500 employees. No right of center publication even comes close. No right of center publication is even a distant second or third or tenth or twentieth. We're not even in the same orbit. By the way, that's just the New York Times. They also have the Washington Post. They also have NBC and ABC and CBS and CNN and MSNBC. By the way, if you do subscribe to The New York Times, for God's sakes, stop your paying people who want to destroy you. But I only watch Fox News, you might say. I mean, I guess that's fine, but it's not like Fox has exactly comported themselves well here. On election night, they called Arizona for Joe Biden while people were still standing in line to vote. That's classic voter suppression. They also continue to pay Chris Wallace, even after he gave the single most egregious performance of any presidential debate moderator in, well, all of modern American history. A performance that, in my opinion, made Candy Crowley look fair and unbiased. A performance so disgusting that if you ask me, he shouldn't be welcome to show himself at any journalistic institution. Listen, if if anyone had treated the Democrat candidate the way that Chris Wallace treated the Republican candidate, I mean, I won't lie to you, I would have gotten a kick out of it, but I would also then have said he shouldn't be able to show himself in polite society. It's an absolute disgrace to the journalistic profession. But there's Chris Wallace week after week month after month, still on Fox News, smug and self-assured and just rich. Rich off your money, rich because you keep paying them. And even if you think I'm being too hard on Fox, even if you only watch Fox, you're still paying for CNN and MSNBC and all the rest. That's because of a little thing called carriage fees, you guys. That's because a small percentage of every single cable bill, no matter what you watch, goes to the major news companies. You may say you hate Don Lemon, you may actually hate him, but you pay his bills. And you pay Trevor Noah and Chris Cuomo and Rachel Maddow and all the rest of them too. You're also paying for all of those Hollywood celebrities that hate your guts because you're paying for the movies that they make, even if you don't watch them. Even the ones you've never seen, you're paying for them. So congratulations to all of us chumps who keep right on paying people who hate us to try to destroy us. The legacy media didn't just rig the election guys, they rigged the entire system so that they keep getting rich off of us while they attack us. Of course, you could stop. The average cable bill in America is over $270 a month, $270 every single month, month after month and year after year, making your opponents richer. Why not just cut the cord? Why not tell Chris Wallace and Don Lemon and all the rest of them to go pound sand? The legacy media cannot be reformed. It cannot be redeemed. It can only be replaced. And you have to be the one to replace them. You have to do it by supporting replacement media. You have to go subscribe to The Daily Wire. Yeah, it's self-serving, but we need your money and you need to stop giving your money to the opposition. Daily Wire is less than 20 bucks a month, go sign up. Then you can go over to The Blaze too. Doesn't do anything for me if you give The Blaze some of your money, but they're doing the same job, replacing the legacy media. You should make a donation to PragerU and TPUSA while you're at it. Go all in with those of us who are all in trying to replace the legacy media. And you could give all of that to all of us, have a great, have great products, and save over 200 bucks every month in the process. It's time for conservatives to put our money where our mouth is. It's time to replace these bastards before they replace us. God knows they're trying.